0: what's your best Coach Gino story and Coach and CD story that you have? Does something stick out? I know. I have like a bunch of different stories that can range
1: from happy to getting ripped to just, you know, X, Y, Z. That's hard. Well, I feel like it's not a super happy one. (laughs) That's okay. But it was just like kind of funny now that you think back on it. You know, our conference was the AAC and we were dominating in our conference. And we won a game by literally like 35 or 40 points but we didn't play good enough so we got kicked out of our locker room and it's just like funny when you tell that story in hindsight because we won the game by 40 points but Mm -hmm. we didn't win the way that like we were supposed to win so we got kicked out so that was kind of funny oh I think actually my freshman year we had great seniors um you know Stewie, Morgan Tuck, and Mariah Jefferson Mm -hmm. were my seniors and he wasn't happy for them with them for some reason so he like benched them for a whole game and that's when that was like my coming to the league mm-hmm. moment and uh-huh. as a freshman so I'm like he's benching them what <laughs> i'm not breathing in his direction wrong like that was wild to me at the time
0: welcome back to sometimes i hoop i'm your host haley jones humble brag, retired Stanford Hooper, and now an Atlanta Dream rookie. But this isn't about me. We are here with former UConn legend who scored over 2,000 points and 1,000 rebounds, the 2019 WNBA Rookie of the Year, two-time All-Star, and Olympic gold medalist in 2020 in the Tokyo Games. None other than Minnesota Lynx superstar Nafisa Collier. Thank you for hopping on the pod. Hey, Haley. Thanks for having me. Of course. And I mean, thanks for being my first guest back in really a minute now. It's been maybe two months since I since I left Stanford, just graduated last week. But we're in the league now, so we're going to transition into some WNBA guests on the pods. So let's get into it. Have there been any teams that have been surprising you with their performances or specific players so
1: far? Teams, I think Indiana, just because since I've been in the league, Indiana hasn't been doing very well. And so to see them rising is really cool. Um, You know, I I think they did great with their draft Mm pick. Obviously, I think Aaliyah is doing really well. So that was been kind of surprising just because I haven't seen that since I've been in the league so far. And then actually kind of Washington, they're four. So obviously, they're still ranked high, but a team with so many vets, I thought they would have, uh, I don't know, maybe more wins. No, I agree. They were so early, though, in the season, so.
0: No, I definitely agree with Indiana. I think Washington, people were talking about, oh, is it going to be a down
1: year and this a map? They're rock solid, but yeah. you just I never thought they so would much. have a down year. If you look, I mean, they have so many people from their championship team still and mm-hmm. being together that long on a team like you're not going to have a down year with that. So, like I said, I don't think they're having a down year. I do think I think they're going to continue to pick up and do even better as the season goes on.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like the season's already been going on for so long. And we were just talking about state practice. It feels like so much has already happened. But I think, like we said, like Washington sitting at four and up top are the aces in the sun. But do you expect there to be more drama for that top spot as the season goes on? And who would be your sleeper pick? Is it still going to be Indy with the surprises? Or is there a different sleeper
1: pick that you have moving on? I think Indy's doing good. I don't think they're going to make it to one and two. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think everyone's question is the New York team, right? You're going to see teams start to figure it out. Vegas, they have new people, but they've been together for a couple of years too. And like I said, that's always an advantage. So I think you're going to see New York kind of get it together a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I think Washington is going to get it together. So Connecticut's always solid. I don't know. It's going to be, hopefully my team emerges a little <laughs> bit more. Hopefully we're the same team, but yeah. Nah, I completely agree. Like just
0: putting things into the big perspective, just to have All-Star break being so soon. I'm used to college and it's like All-Americans come out at the end of the year. That's not even something on your mind your first five, we six have games like, in. Yeah,
1: we have like eight games in and they're like, okay, start your All-Star voting. Yeah,
0: it's like I haven't even had the chance to like watch two games from every single team yet. I feel like I haven't even seen everyone play, but yeah. it's, it's just such a change of pace. With you in Minnesota, this is the first year without Sylvia Faust. And I know she wasn't just like the vet for y'all, but she was a vet for the whole league. She was just a cornerstone of the league for so long. So how have the adjustments been for you taking on more of a leadership role, more of just like the first option, things of that sort? Has there been an adjustment period?
1: I think the more adjustment period was like coming physically back from having my daughter last year, more mm-hmm. than that role on the team. Just because we did have a lot of, spurts of Sylvia being gone throughout my time here so I kind of got to see what that would look like without Syl unfortunately it's always nice to have her on the court Mm -hmm. Um, but I think you know having her out for the whole season has definitely changed how our teams look she was a super like if you got beat to the basket you know that Sill was like the cleanup person she's going to block the shot for you and now we really have to rely on our team defense and staying one-on-one and things like that so that has been hard for us for sure as far as being the first option I feel like so in Cheryl, and my coaches have kind of been preparing me for this for the last couple of years. Um, you know, I was made a captain really early. So I was kind of put in that leadership role early. So they've kind of been edging me towards this for the, my past four years here. So I feel like I was pretty ready when that happened. I totally agree. Just
0: having that person behind you to know, like, I can be up doing this and that. And if you get beat, it's you're still getting beat. But it's also like, okay, well, she's there to block the shot. Like, it's okay. But um, I feel like we talked about sleeper teams a little bit. But I feel like players are under the radar having stellar years. And they just aren't getting, like, that spotlight or whatever it may be from the media, from broadcast, whatever. But who do you feel like is a player that isn't talked about enough that is always like that difference maker on the court whenever you play them?
1: Hmm. Let me think. I think there's a bunch. It feels like the media gets like they pick who they want to spotlight, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think there's a bunch of players who aren't getting the, the clout, I guess that they need. I feel like neca has been that person her whole career. Honestly, I feel like I'm one of those people to Mm -hmm. be honest. You know, I don't know. There's a bunch because we have a lot of good people in the league, obviously. And so, I don't know. I think Satu's starting to get that recognition. She's doing great this year, obviously. So she definitely deserves it. I thought they were sleeping on her a little bit before then. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So you could say it for a lot of people. I agree with you and Neca
0: for sure. I think it's just so many people play different ways. And I feel Mm -hmm. like if you are more of a fundamental player where you're not going to be doing all this Flashy, this that all that whatever then it, it makes sense that sometimes the media or these crazy highlights that get posted and have like millions of views like it's just not going to get that same recognition oftentimes but having the respect from the players around the league who know like you're a bucket you're going to get yours you can do your thing night in and night out it's just a different type of recognition so it feels like a sleeper to say but like also mm-hmm. you and Neka aren't sleepers across the league so it's just <laughs> it's
1: an interesting balance there. Also, one more person with that. Sorry, A.T. Oh, yeah. Hard to play against. A.T. is so hard to play against. She's hard to play against. She's one of those people that's like a sleeper in the media and stuff, but in the league, you're like, when you know you play Connecticut, like she's the person you're worried about. So that's a good
0: She is circled up on that scout because there's just so many different ways that she can attack you with her court vision. With
1: broke ass shoulders, two of them. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Like how-
1: It's getting triple doubles. It's wild. I
0: don't get it. How are you playing? When I found that out that there's like two torn labrums, I'm like, how Mm -hmm. are you producing at the level that you've been producing at for however many years at this point.
1: Oh, she's tough. She's she tough. has her shoulder like uh, pop out and she'll get back in the game. That helped me multiple times last year and the year before. It's crazy. That's literally insane.
0: I can't imagine mm-hmm. having to, you know, rework my whole shot just because of not one, but two. Yeah. Shout out to AT. I, that's wild. But I think one thing that we talked about a lot on the pod throughout my college years was talking about the best conference debate, whether it was Pac-12, SEC, this and that. Now we're just down to two. I'm in the East and you're in the West.
1: But mm-hmm. who would you
0: say has, you know, the tougher conference?
1: I thought it used to be the West, and Mm -hmm. this year especially, I think it's more the East. Actually, if I had to choose.
0: Okay, I would agree. I think that the East is kind of on the rise. But like growing up, I was a West Coast girl, so I was like, "Oh, it's the West." I had a huge bias, but yeah, I think the East has it this year. But that's
1: not to say that the West doesn't have sleeper teams, this and that. The West last year and the year before, or maybe like a couple years ago, it's like Stewie and Sue in Seattle, Mm and Jewel, Asia, and all them in Vegas. Candace in L. A. Yeah, like it's tough. The the list just
0: continued to go on. So now rookie year for me. And I need to ask you some questions of advice, some wisdom for both me and the listeners. And especially you and I both being number six picks in our respective drafts, kind of twins. But Mm -hmm. do you think that there was an adjustment period for you moving from college to the league? Like, was there bumps that you had to hurdle this and that? Or did it seem seamless for you?
1: So I would say not going to the league, honestly, I thought my college prepared me really well to be professional athlete, but I had to change positions and that was really, really hard. So that was like a huge adjustment for me. It's something that I'm still trying to get better at. I play the four a lot now, but Cheryl was really trying to move me to the three spot and just guarding alone, being a defender at the three is so hard. Like the stuff that guards have to do, getting Mm -hmm. through screens, all you guys have to do, it's hard. So that was definitely really tough for me.
0: Nah, getting through screens and whatnot is insane because I feel like in college, you're like, okay, like I can sag off this player. We can give him this and that. No, you can't do it anymore. There's 144 roster spots. Everybody's a pro. There's no more like, oh, I'll just fly underneath. I won't even guard this person. That's not how it works anymore, which is crazy. And I think I'm still adjusting to it. But I mean, you're doing well, though,
1: thank especially you. For, for like at the point guard position. That's not easy. Like being a point guard and a rookie is like the worst combination.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm loving the combo so far. It's a yeah. lot of learning, but yeah. I mean, in your in your rookie debut, you came out and you got 27. So it didn't seem like there was too much adjustment. But it's also you know training camp to get used to it. And I know Cheryl's a great coach. So what do you think? was helpful for you moving into like those opening games, making a statement? Was there a mindset
1: change? Was it, you know, vets mm-hmm. on the team kind of helping you with your confidence? What what was that like? Now that you say that, you know, I had a horrible training camp. We, you know, have those two games in preseason. I think I scored like five points between the two. Mm-hmm. So I guess there was like a bit of an adjustment period, but I really, really struggled my freshman year of college. The confidence, ups and downs. Like I was starting, then I lost my starting spot. And it took me until the tournament really to like kind of flip that switch in my mind and be like, I'm a good player. I'm here for a reason. I just need to be aggressive and, you know, do what I do. Mm -hmm. And so I felt myself kind of reverting back to that, you know, as a rookie in training camp, like questioning myself, I'm around all these amazing players, like I'm new in the league. And I think by the time the first game rolled around, I just kind of flipped that switch again. Thankfully, it didn't take me the whole season (laughs) to just be like, if I'm going to mess up, it's going to be an aggressive mess up. Like, I just need to play my game and not worry about, you know, am I doing the right thing all this? Because that's when I really get in my head and that's when I struggle. So once I kind of realized that and like I said, changed my mindset on that, then I was able to play more free, which is what allowed me to have a good season. That's a definitely a common theme, just talking to other
0: rookies right now. It's that adjustment of mm-hmm. where now we're playing against people that we've looked up to all of our lives. And now you're at practice yeah. with them, you're getting to know them as people and not just like these icons. And so trying to figure out where you measure up, keeping that confidence. And I think. You know, similar to you, for me, I always play my best when I'm like having fun, when I don't feel pressure, when I'm not putting all this weight on my own shoulders. And so, you know, it's a learning process, figuring out how to do it. But I think a lot of it just comes from like, from what you said, like, if you're going to make a mistake, may as well be aggressive. Like, if I'm going to throw a right. turnover, I tell T, like, you know, I thought it was there. I thought it was she was going to score. It was a great look, whatever. It was a good shot. I missed. And it's just like having these open conversations, which I think is really helpful, so I think, you know, my rookie year, I know I have a lot of different rookie responsibilities and I have already messed up on a few. One being uniform bag. I literally forgot it on our first trip. It was to go see Dallas and then play y'all on mini, but I, I forgot it. It was so bad. And so then we're on the bus. Why would they
1: put a rookie in charge of the uniforms? That's
0: what I'm saying. And like at that point in time, I feel like I'm a different person now than I was then. I was still super like high stress. That's honestly not even your fault. That's
1: whoever's in charge's fault. Why would you put a rookie in charge of the uniforms?
0: See, that's what I'm saying. But apparently it was my duty. And so... I forgot it. But they grabbed it and put it on the bus and slid it underneath without telling me. But like we get to the airport and they all knew and they played this horrible prank. And I like almost started crying on the bus. I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, do I not get to go on the trip? Do I need to go get it? Like I was ready to just take an Uber back to the apartments. But did you? Literally, I'm like, it's okay, guys. Like, it's okay. I don't deserve to go anymore. But did you have any of these rookie responsibilities or rookie horror
1: stories from, you know, your first year in the league? Um, well, first of all, I'm going to say I'm happy that people are checking behind you because rookies have so much to think about. And so much. putting them in charge, like for real, of the uniforms, I could not. I was really <laughs> shook for a second. So actually, we didn't have anything like that when I was there. Like, But apparently in the past, they used to have where for the first road trip of the year, we have to dress up kind of for the airport, like jeans and a mm-hmm. nice shirt. And they would like be able to pick the rookies outfit. So they would have them look like a grandma, like with a wig on and like a big baggy, like dress with a cane (laughs) and have them dress up like that. But thankfully that was over by the time I got there. So that's a good way to get them too, because that's just traumatizing. Yeah. And then you got to on the plane like that. Yeah, exactly. And
0: I feel like it'd be even worse if somebody recognized you through all of that and they're trying to get a picture and you're like, yeah, that's red. probably
1: why they stopped because we're in the age of social media now.
0: Yeah, it definitely would have been taken to a whole nother level if that was the case. But just talking more about adjustments to the league, I know I've had a few kind of like, all right, you're in the league now. Welcome to the league, Brooke. Was there like a specific play or something that you remember where a vet or somebody did a vet move and they busted you on a possession and you just had to take it? Because I know for me, I was feeling myself in the New York game a little bit too much and I was going coast to coast And I tried to take it up on Stewie, and she blocked my stuff so bad out of bounds. And I was like, oh, let me remember where I am right now, Haley. Like, you got to come up with a move, go into the body, and you're probably not going to get a call as a rookie right now. So you need to figure something out.
1: Yeah. Well, yours was a play. Mine was a whole game, unfortunately. (laughs) We played New York and Kia Nurse. It was when I had to switch to the three, and Mm -hmm. I was guarding Kia. And she was my old teammate. So, like, I know Kia. Like, I know Kia's game. But apparently I didn't realize how fast she was when she was Uh on my team. I mean, she had like 30 points. She busted my ass. Damn. Coming off wide open threes, sprinting to the basket, like wide open transition. It Mm -hmm. was terrible. And we watched that game and filmed four times. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. That's awful. That was my welcome to the league moment for sure.
0: Yeah. It sounds like it was more than a moment. It sounds awful because I've had just a recurring nightmare. (laughs) Oh, God. Just moments. And that first film session afterwards, like I think it's different in college coming from being a senior and you're like used to getting picked on, it's whatever. Like I'll take the blame for this and that. And now I'm here and it's my job and I see me mess up. I'm like, I'm so sorry, like never again. And I know it's gonna happen again, but it's like, it was so embarrassing those first few film sessions trying to get stuff out. What game kind of for you was like, okay, like I can play with these people. This is where I'm supposed to be, this and that. What was your kind of coming out game in a way?
1: Probably my first rookie game. It just felt so good after having a horrible training camp. And really like circumstance allowed me to be in that situation. And that's how it is for everyone in the league. Like I was allowed that starting game because unfortunately one of my teammates was hurt. And so I like I had to fill in for her. And that was kind of like it gave me the confidence like, okay, I'm starting like I can't let my team down. I got to do well. I played really well. And that's kind of when I was like, okay, we're here. We can do this. So from there, I feel like just never look back.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's no reason to look back. <laughs> You've got to keep going with that. Like once you hit your stride, it's like, why was I ever doing anything else? Like right. this, mm-hmm. this makes sense. So I guess taking it back a little bit, talking about growing up in Jefferson city, Missouri, I don't think I've ever even been to Missouri, but it sounds beautiful. Um, gorgeous. <laughs> just
1: gorgeous. How did you get into basketball? Who put the ball in your hands? When did it start? I started in fourth grade. I was actually um, at a softball game. I was playing, and my first ever basketball coach. She was like, "Oh, you look tall. Do you want to try out for my basketball team?" And I played a bunch of sports, but I never played basketball. So I was like, "Sure, yeah, and why not?" The rest of the grade, it just yeah. happened.
0: See, softball is the one sport I never did. I have awful hand-eye coordination, and so I would super soft, boring. I just can't imagine doing that, especially standing in the outfield. Like I, I just feel like I would get bored out there. But watching it now, it's amazing. But I have a question. This is interesting. Is is it true that your parents started an AAU team because the local AAU team didn't let you try out? Because I need to hear more about this.
1: It is true. So Jefferson City is a really small town and all those people have like grown up together, their parents know each other. And by fourth grade, I was like behind the ball trying to play basketball, I guess. Yeah, for sure. So they already had their team and we asked if I could try out or be on the team. They said they had no spots left and I couldn't be on it. For some reason, when I started playing well, that a spot opened up. Oh, naturally. That's <laughs> yeah. that's how it always goes. Yeah. So my parents were just like, and they're kind of like that, just, you know, they never really accept no for an answer. Mm-hmm. And they're like, if, okay, if you said no, then we're going to go start a team with all these like surrounding cities around Jeff City. And we became super dominant. Like we were winning. We went to nationals, stuff like that. So, I mean, that yeah. sounds amazing.
0: Um, just to get you involved like that. And that's also crazy. How are they going to say no? Like, I'm sure that team wasn't even full. Like, and now, now that I'm out here hooping, now you want me to be on your team? No, now I want to play you at a tournament. That's that's amazing that they were able to start your own team. You know, when did recruiting start for you? I'm assuming not fourth grade, but I wouldn't put it out of the question. So when did, you know, that first letter come in? How did that go
1: about? not fourth grade. I don't remember when my first letter came in, but I got my first like college offer in eighth grade. So mm-hmm. still pretty early for the time, especially I think people are getting eighth grade acceptance now. Like, yeah, now it just seems like the usual, but it really yeah. wasn't when I was being yeah. recruited too. Yeah. So that was the first one. It was university of Missouri. So Mizzou, it was was Sophie Cunningham and one other girl, cause we're all from Missouri. So I've mm-hmm. known Sophie for a really long time. Uh, so yeah, that was probably, yeah, that was my first time I remember anyway. Okay. So the hometown state showing you some love with Mizzou. I remember mine, mine was UC
0: Santa Barbara. And I was like, go gauchos. I'm gonna live in Santa Barbara, live my life on the beach. And that was going to be that. But it's Mm -hmm. crazy how things change. So I heard you didn't really want to go to Yukon at first because they were the top dogs. How did things change? Did They convince you or how did that work that you ended up there?
1: I just want to beat them, you know, because you hear of UConn, like everyone knows UConn, and I'm like, I'm tired of them being at the top. I want to beat them, <laughs> and so I just went on the visit just because, you know, it's you know, and I didn't want to, you know, he's legendary, their program is legendary, so I'm like, I'm just gonna go just to see it, and they got me, <laughs> they real gym, they got me. <laughs> Okay, so you went
0: to UConn and it just seemed like that was the place. What set it apart for you, you know, going in being like, nah, I'm just taking this visit out of of pity, Gino, I'll come see you. What set it apart for you on that visit?
1: First of all, I do not want on the record that I said out of pity. (laughs) (laughs) That was on me. That was on me. (laughs) (laughs) I think just like Stewie was there. She was, she would have been my senior. She was like a junior at the time and they had so many good players and first of all, I really liked the bond that they all had. They were so close. they were like sisters, all of them. And then two, you know, some other schools that I visited, they treated the top player a lot differently than the rest of the players. And I didn't like that. I wanted everyone like true this and I wanted the same expected for me than, you know, every other player on the team. Mm-hmm. And so I really liked that about him. And at that point, I knew I wanted to play in the league. And I knew at that point, When I was kind of treating it like a business deal, like I know that if I go here, I'm going to be the most prepared to go to the next step of my life, the next stage that I want to be at. And so, also, Coach was very convincing, (laughs) highlighting all that for me. So,
0: okay, I got you. No, I remember my UConn visit. It's just, it's a different culture there, and they're going to prepare you, and you know what you're going to get going in. And I feel like, you know, on some of my visits, you can kind of see through the fog of like, you know, mm-hmm. this is just one way, as you hear on this weekend, people turn it on. You can see the players' reactions. Like, our coaches being mm-hmm. different right now? Whatever it may be. But it's like, when you go there, and it's the same feeling I had at Stanford, it's like, you know what you're going to get. And so I, I really appreciated that. But so at UConn, you had a pretty storied career. You're part of the 2,000 points, 1,000 rebound club. Only people there with you are Maya Moore, Tina Charles, Brand Stewart, Rebecca Lobo. That's a pretty elite group. Like, was that something going into school you planned to do? Like, did you want to be a part of certain clubs? Did you go in being like, I want this many natties. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to be.
1: Um, Definitely not the clubs because you don't really know those stats just like off the top of your head. It's mm-hmm. cool like, when you achieve them and they tell you, but it sound like that was a goal coming in. I mean, no, definitely to win some championships. Like I wish we would have got at least one more. I feel like I took the first one for granted. Honestly, it was my freshman year. So I didn't know any different. The season was honestly so easy. We won every game mm-hmm. by 30 points, even in like our championship game. We knew we were going to win, which like, don't get me wrong. It's awesome. Yeah. But I I couldn't, I appreciate it more in hindsight than I did at the time. Mm-hmm. And then the next three years when we would get there and be so close three times in a row. It just really made you appreciate like getting to that. We didn't even get to the final game. We lost in the final four. So it just made me appreciate winning a lot my freshman year a lot more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wish we would have got that would have been a goal for sure to get one more chip to get one more.
0: Yeah, I feel like winning your freshman year is, is different. I know for me, my freshman year was COVID, but then we won it my sophomore year. So it's like it's it's all you know. It's how do you end Mm -hmm. a season any other way? And then when it doesn't end like that, it sucks. Mm -hmm. It's awful. And so, especially losing the Final Four, like I remember talking about it with the team and we're like, I would have rather lost in the Elite Eight, but no, I wouldn't. I want to go to the Final Four, but it's more heartbreaking when you're right there. It's like, it's Sunday. It's Friday. Why can't I just stay? But March Madness is crazy. And I feel like it's a whole beast in itself, but the playoffs in the WNBA is also different. Do you think that there's, big differences between, you know, just how those things run, the hype behind it, this and that, the third. Do you feel like there's kind of these noticeable differences when you've played in both?
1: I do. I think there's more fandom in college right now, Mm -hmm. um, which is something we're trying to change, obviously, in the league. But March Madness, like, everyone knows the term March Madness. Like, that is something that's really hyped up. And so I do feel like that was more... I don't know, even know the word to explain it, but it, it feels different, especially because in the league, like you have a series now. So you have mm-hmm. multiple chances, like it's do or die when you get to a certain point in the season in college. So I feel like that's a lot more pressure. So, yeah, I, don't, I think there is a little bit of difference.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. In college, it's March Madness. It's this whole story thing. The guys and girls going all at the same time. There's one shining moment, like all this different stuff going on. And I feel like the WNBA is on the way to get that same hype. But, like, right now, it's just not the same. But I think that it's trending in the right direction with last year. I know, like, people around school were talking about it. It was on at the dining halls. Like, people were locked in during the playoffs. So I think it's exciting to now kind of be a part of it and witness, you know, the big crowds and this and that. So I think it's exciting, but I think there is also a noticeable difference just in terms of, like, how much pub it gets, the hype behind it, this and that. And it just feels like those college fans that you have are die hard, right? Like they went to mm-hmm. the same school. They feel connected. And then I feel like that's a big thing I've noticed is like in WNBA, there's ties to you, but I feel like it's not that same like you're in it yeah. with your heart. Like you have so much tying to it.
1: I mean, it's a business now, right? You have you don't have players stay on the same team their whole careers like you do in college. Like mm-hmm. you're staying there for four years. And people are really obsessed with their schools too. Like that's what you said, you have alumni fans who are diehard ones. And the W does have diehard fans, but it's going now towards players. Like it is in the NBA more Mm -hmm. than a a certain team. So people are like diehard for a player and players are moving around. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of why I think it feels different with like the intensity of the fan per team.
0: In my college career, I had something come about being NIL. So when you guys were watching from the professionals, were you looking at it like, dang, I could have had that bag in college when y'all were winning every game by 30, going to the Natty and Final Fours, this and that, being at UConn, y'all would have made a check.
1: Ooh, I would have been happy. <laughs> tell you that. Our little stipend that we get where I'm like rationing for macaroni. Exactly. I'm really happy about NIL. I'm definitely not one of those bitter people that like, ugh. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yes, I wish we had it for sure. I'm glad that people have it now. But yeah, I mean, especially at UConn where you would have gotten like an NIL deal just being on the team, let alone like if you're one of the best players on the team, it would have been nice for sure. I feel like it just would have been
0: so much different thinking about the stardom that some collegiate players had when I was growing up, like watching Maya Moore Mm -hmm. in the pub that was around her. Imagine. Exactly. Like imagining the NIL deals that she would have had is just insane to think about. But I mean now some people are doing six, seventh, eight years, however that works with the portal and the COVID years and this and that. So people are able to stick around to get their NIL money nowadays, which is kind of wild. Not for me. I <laughs> no. No. I was good after four. I could not. You're twenty five
1: in college. No.
0: I could not do that. I feel like the toll that it takes on you, it was for the homework for me.
1: I was done. Even my last summer, like, you know how hard summer workouts are. Yeah. I remember my senior year. I'm like, I can't do this again. I'm glad I'm a senior. Like they are so intensive. I don't even know how physically people are going through them. Like, three years after when you should have graduated.
0: Looking back to what I was able to do a few months ago, now I get to practice an hour and a half early and I have to activate and do this and that. And I'm only two months out of college. Get ready. Yeah, like, exactly. Getting to
1: practice in college, I could pull up, I don't know, 20 minutes before, I'm ready to roll. I'm chilling. Yeah, it's sick how fast it happens too. Because we used to have in college, like 20 minute warm ups. I'm like, I could literally play right now. I don't even know why we're yeah. warming. And by the end, it wasn't long enough.
0: I feel. One thing about college... It's different now with the transfer portal. It's similar to like free agency and moving around and this and that, but it's different because that hasn't always been the culture of collegiate basketball. So what are your thoughts about, you know, the transfer portal madness and people jumping here to there and then there's no wait time anymore or even like, you know, superstars like something like Haley Van Lith. Now she's going to LSU to join the reigning Natty champs. Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts about just how the transfer portal works nowadays?
1: I'm a little conflicted. I feel like there should be like a caveat, like you can't do that after your freshman year because Mm -hmm. everyone's freshman year sucks. No one's going to be happy after their freshman year. So I feel like you shouldn't be able to transfer without sitting out a year until like after your sophomore year. Mm -hmm. But I don't mind the no wait time just because like coaches are able to leave and then players are stuck there with people that, you know, have been drafted or Mm -hmm. whatever. (laughs) I got you. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not mad about that. I just don't think freshmen should be able to do it because it's just crazy the amount of freshmen transferring. It's like literally no one is happy after their first year. So. Yeah, I agree.
0: It's it's There's a lot of different caveats behind it because it's like, okay, some people, they want to transfer because it was more than just the basketball experience. They weren't happy at the school. There were other things going on. It mm-hmm. wasn't the right place. But then some people are like, I didn't play. Now I'm going to go here. Oh, I didn't play here. Now I'm going to go here. And it's like, that's not the point of the transfer portal. The portal is to like help you find the best place for you, not just help you find playing time so that you can do all these crazy things you imagine yourself doing.
1: Like, especially in that instance, like it doesn't, it's such a character builder too to be able to push through like something that you feel like you're not playing enough or you're not happy there for like a basketball reason like that. Like finding the resilience to be able to push through that. That's a huge character builder and something that you need, especially if you want to play at the next level mm-hmm. because For the most part, like the opportunities that you and I had or in have now to play as a rookie are not there for most rookies. Mm -hmm. Like it's really rare for that to happen. And so you're just going to quit like after, you know, you're not getting enough playing time. I just feel like it's a really good character building opportunity as well. I don't know if that's like an old head way of speaking, but.
0: No, I don't think so at all. I don't think that's very controversial. I think it makes sense. Like there's just different things that you need to learn in college. Things like time management, prioritizing this and that, and just like resilience, fighting through a lot of different stuff, making your way up the playing time, just kind of totem pull, whatever that may be. Enough about college, back to the league. What you've been in the league since 2019 now. What do you think has been the biggest change that you've seen across the league since you first started? Like more interest from fans, social media engagement, more investment in
1: the players on the league's behalf or just kind of how things run? I would say it's more like on the player level. I came in right when the new CBA dropped. So a lot of the stuff that I've never seen anything different, but like some people older than me, they have seen like a huge difference in the way that the league is run. Mm -hmm. That's kind of all I've known. I'm kind of like in that middle, like I feel like I'm getting older, but I'm on like all the new rules still. Mm -hmm. But from a player standpoint, I feel like the skill level, you just see people playing a lot more, like it's really fun to watch kind of basketball than the fundamental basketball you were talking about earlier. I think you see a lot more like flashy play than even when I got into the league. So that's Mm -hmm. been really fun.
0: Yeah, I mean, just from going from watching it to now being a part of it, I think it's, it's changed in the ways that you said. I'm used to these new rules right now. And I'm like, oh, this is this is nice, mm-hmm. I guess. And then you start reading. You're like, oh, like I want these changes. And then we're about to have a new CBA in however many years. Mm-hmm. I think like there's just so much talent, which is so crazy to think about how much talent is within the league that doesn't even see the floor. And then you think about talent that gets cut, that can't find a roster spot and just when you hear some of these names, it's insane. And then the people who are playing, you're like, oh, well, duh. They're cream of the crop, this and that. So just the talent mm-hmm. level on the scout, there's no cheat player. There's no player to back up off of. You ought to respect everybody's game because everyone puts in so much work. And I know out of this year's draft class, you guys had a great draft, and especially number two with Diamond how has it been adding her game to the lineup? Even, you know, Dorca is playing great right now for you guys. So how has it been adding the two of them into the system that you guys have?
1: It's been really good. You know, it was great to have, you know, Dime in the beginning. She brings so much athleticism, which is something that we really needed on our team. The way that she plays, she's so like unapologetic and so mm-hmm. aggressive in everything that she does. It's really nice to see, especially from a rookie where, you know, you like I said, you come in kind of like guessing yourself and she never had that for a second. Mm -hmm. So it's something kind of like joke with her about too, but it's a really good thing. So I was really happy with that for diamond and Dorka has been able to step up. Like I said, you have to be able to rise to the occasion whenever injuries happen. And Mm -hmm. that's what's happening. We have injuries and Dorka took a starting spot and she's absolutely like risen to the occasion. She's done so well. So I'm really proud of both my little rookies
0: <laughs> it's weird like it seems like you're new in the league but now it's like my little rookies like you're a vet kind of now my little children
1: yeah <laughs> i know it's crazy they put a picture of me and diamond up it's like year five and year one it's like five it's like what are you talking about yuck that happened fast
0: <laughs> yuck but i mean we talk about your little children on the team but also a little over a year ago you had your baby and you were playing the league three months after you gave birth, which is, we talked about Alyssa Thomas being unreal, but that is unreal and amazing. So how was that bouncing back both physically, but also mentally, it's different. Emotionally, there's a lot of different things going on. How was that adjustment coming back?
1: Um, I don't really recommend it <laughs> No, It actually wasn't the mental side because I knew that I was going to have limitations. So it wasn't like I was expecting to go out there and try to win any awards the last four games of the season. I was really just going out there to be with Sylvia and say that I did it mm-hmm. kind of thing. But the off season, it was really hard physically. Like my body changed a lot when I was pregnant. And so it was just getting that all back together, you know, your abs like end up on the side of your body. <laughs> so bringing those together was really hard. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so just getting my body back to like the baseline of what it needed to be was so hard, way harder than I thought it was. Mm -hmm. And then once you get to that, you want to come back to the season better than when you left the year prior, you know, not my pregnancy year, but the year before that. So after I got back to that baseline, I had to push past that to get stronger and to get better at my game. And so it was really just like, it felt like kind of like a rat race, just like going as hard as I could to try to get ready for the season.
0: It's something to be so proud of to come back, you know, it's, only four games it's like to push back from that I can't even imagine what you went through abs on the side of your body pulling back together this and that mm-hmm. all these different things it's like just getting the skills back up to par all this different stuff it's crazy to think that you were able to do that in that amount of time like looking back I bet you're like oh my god I did that like would I want to do that again probably not but you did it I did it I can say I did it yeah <laughs> you say you did it and then you did the slam cover with baby Mila and Dierica as well as her daughter, Amaya. How did that come about? How special was that to be a part of that?
1: It was so cool. Like, it was such a fun experience. It was kind of like the first time I'd really been out of the house, really, too, after I had her, because it was she was only less than six weeks because it was before I went back to the team. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so fun. And it was so special. It's something that I'll have forever. So I'm really glad that I can do that and, like, show Mila one day. Mm-hmm. And it's just so funny, too, like time goes by so fast. You know, you always hear your parents say that and now I'm a cliche saying the same thing, (laughs) but like to look at that picture, she looks so different. She's so tiny. Like I'm just glad that I have that memory to, you know, share with her later.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're on the other side of the cliche now, saying, oh, well, time moves
1: so fast. They used to That's be this small. You know, like, it just <laughs> creeps up on you. Just creeps Next up. Next time I'm going to be saying, back in my day. <laughs> oh, natural. God. Too too back fast. Back in my day, we would have deal, so We had to work the whole
0: <laughs> But I mean, as more players in the league start to have kids, do you feel like there's a support system for mothers in the league? I feel like, you know... Mother to mother in the league, you guys have a special connection, understanding
1: what you've been through to get back. But what does that support really look like? Um, I do think there's a support. And even if you are like not super close to the person that has the baby, Mm -hmm. I just feel so comfortable going up to them and being like, how are you doing? Like, how is everything? Because I know how hard it is and I know like what she's had to do to get back on the court. So I just kind of feel like that connection with like Cheyenne Mm -hmm. or Erica or people who have like especially little babies right now in the league. So, yeah, I think there is a connection and just like the support is just asking how they are and like how they're feeling. Tell them they look great because that always feels really good after you have a baby. Like I can see how hard you're working. You look great. You're doing great. So just like from that standpoint.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just a special connection that not very many people can understand that bond because, you know, there's a connection across mothers just in general going through pregnancy. But then to work back from it, it's a different type of mindset that you have to have, really. And I know I'm amazed by CP every day. I'm like, you know, she, Naomi comes around, she's on the bus with us. She's the cutest little thing. And I'm like, oh my God, CP, you just had this girl. Like she just turned one. I don't know how you're already back killing it like this. Sleep
1: deprivation. Like that's honestly the hardest part.
0: I bet. It's like,
1: there's just so many different things you have to do as a mom. Things you
0: have to think about. Things you have to worry about. Like, where's my kid going to go during practice? This, that, and third. It's just, it's just so impressive. And then I guess kind of outside of the WNBA, you're an Olympian in 2020, which is crazy. Just the whole Olympics that year was wild. And so yeah. to be a part of that, I mean, you played with amazing players. How was it being selected to, you know, it's different playing in a World Cup, playing in America, whatever it may be. But the Olympics is like, it's the top. It's the thing that people dream about. So what was that like being one of the younger players chosen to represent the country?
1: It was awesome. I felt like I was just like, I'm just happy to be here. Kind of, <laughs> and that's like such a fun attitude too to go in with. Like, I was just so grateful to be on the team and like excited because I knew we had so many p- good people. So, the last few people kind of got in especially as like a younger player like the skin of my teeth kind of feeling so when carol called me like i was just so excited to be there i'm like i'll do anything you guys want me to do i don't care if i play a second like i'm here whatever you need i got you yeah so that was just like it was such an awesome experience and it didn't matter to me that it was covid it's my first experience so i have nothing to compare it to like as far as that goes so it was so fun but I am really looking forward to the next one just to, you know, hopefully I'll be on the team Mm -hmm. to get the full experience of the Olympics and like, I don't know, it's just, it's going to be awesome. Every time that you're selected to play with USA, it's a blessing and it's an honor. So hopefully I can go to some more Olympics and yeah. Yeah. Keep it rolling.
0: I bet that must have been so exciting. I mean, being in Tokyo at that time, the COVID Olympics and this and that, I'm sure is a different experience. And it's like, you don't really have much to base it off. It's your first one. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Paris will be something crazy. I follow the Paris like TikTok about their Olympics and it looks insane to yeah. see all the different things yeah. that they're doing for it. So mm-hmm. talking a little bit
1: about overseas basketball, where have been all the different places that you've played? So I was in China for 10 days before COVID hit there first in 2020.
0: Oh, wow. So that was
1: crazy because I got out like right before they quarantined my city. So I would have been like stuck there, which was scary. That would have been a different experience. Yeah, that would have been wild. Mm -hmm. So that was my first year. The next year I went to France and I was only there for like three months. I really just went to try to prepare for the season because I found like myself as a player. We had so much time off before... um, you know, that 2020 season in the bubble, it's just like mm-hmm. hard to get the ball back rolling. So I was like, let me just go somewhere for a little bit of time. Um, and then next year I was pregnant. Yeah. And now we're here, <laughs> now we're here, but I mean, again, you have to know, are you going overseas? Is that, a lot of I haven't decided on?
0: yet. I'm trying to, I'm okay. trying to figure it out. Different opportunities yeah. have arise, but I'm trying to, you know, get the tea from you. What is it? Was it really like well, the challenges? Yeah.
1: That's what I was going to say. You really have to kind of I mean, and there's time to figure it out. Like you're a rookie, so you could try it and see if you liked it. For me, I know I'm a homebody. I love to be home, especially around the holidays. Like I like to be around my family. Mm-hmm. I like to give my body a break. And so overseas, like unless I'm getting a real bag, it's just like not really in the cards for me anymore. So that's kind of like my opinion on it. But On the flip side, people are like, this is the only time that I have to make money while I'm young like this. So I want to grind it out. You just have to decide what's more important to you. Family and being at home is more important to me than what that money is overseas. And now that I'm older in the league and I've accomplished more things, I can make up that money like in marketing and things like that. So you kind of just have to suss it out and see what the right fit is for you. I mean, it makes sense. I feel
0: like the overseas route, for some people, it's the only route, you know, just with the small amount of spots in the league. But it's also different. Like, you're in a place now where you have a baby, it's the family, all these different things. And some other players don't have to take that into account when making these types of decisions. And to hear that you could have been stuck in China during COVID and big quarantine, like, I can't even imagine what that would have been like for you. Me either. Yeah, neither. Like, I don't even want to think about that. So, kind of wrapping things up here, we d- always do a segment. It's going to be new questions now that we're doing WNBA but it's gonna be the most rapid fire you can get we've had guests in the past where yeah where it's like it still takes them 30 seconds there's a lot of ums which will be okay for some but um, I got you you got me okay so here we go who's the best dressed in the league now that i'm saying
1: this um <laughs> uh isabel harris was really really like she's not in the league right now but she like dresses really well i like her style a lot oh i like Sawtoo style right now oh i do too i do too okay what's the drill you
0: never want to see on the practice plan bruh like
1: uh 11 man oh Hate i that. feel that
0: 11 man is oh god yeah okay game winning shot or game winning block
1: probably shot because i've never done it before
0: and one or three-pointer three-pointer okay where's the toughest place to play in the league vegas vegas okay i haven't been to vegas yet i was gonna say connecticut for me so far it's loud up in there okay who's the biggest trash talker in the league ooh sophie okay i haven't played her yet i'll keep you updated um the most underrated player in the w god at maybe okay who's got the best handles
1: these are not easy rapid <laughs> fire questions. They're
0: rapid fire to an extent. Just a tad of thinking. Yeah.
1: Less handles. Arike. Oh, that's easy. Actually,
0: Arike. Okay. What is your biggest basketball ick? Flopping. Mm, okay. And going off of that, who's the biggest flopper in the league? Anyone on LA. Okay. I'm excited. Who is the GOAT?
1: Of all time? Like ever? Right now or in the league or ever?
0: Let's hear both. If you have different answers, let's hear
1: both. Stewie in the league right now. Okay, I think maybe Maya. Maybe Maya. If she would have kept playing, especially too. I think about.
0: I agree with you with Maya. I'm. A, oh, yeah. I, I'm with you. Okay, yeah. and then our last one is your best impersonation of Coach Reeves.
1: Hey!
0: When I tell you, I heard that from the when we played y'all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like looking around like it's crazy. That's a good one. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. This was a great yes, first episode you. back. And thank you everyone for listening and staying tuned in. I know it's been a minute, but we will be back for another episode of Sometimes I Hoop. Thank you, Fee. Hey everyone. Thanks so much for listening to Sometimes I Hoop. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Haley.jones. That's no I and Haley and three S's in Jones. To get all the Sometimes I Hoop content, you can also watch the episodes on the Players Tribune YouTube page. Thanks again for all your support.
1: The Players Tribune.com